Have you ever heard the question, if you were arrested and charged with being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? I like that question. I like it so much, actually, I want to make it even more specific. If I was arrested and charged with being Catholic, would they have enough evidence to convict me? It's sad to say, but for most self-professed Catholics today, the answer is most likely no. And I'm not talking about your average practicing Catholic who falls to sin frequently and goes to confession. I mean, we're all sinners. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, like St. Paul mentions in Romans 3. But I'm specifically talking about those who say that they're Catholic, but don't really practice it. We've given them many names. We've heard the terms like cafeteria Catholics. We've heard CEOs, you know, Christmas and Easter only. We've heard... uh Catholics in name only, the acronym is CINO, C-I-N-O. Uh, I like to kind of pronounce it as Chino. It kind of gives it that, you know, Italian uh, sound to it. It sounds a little bit cooler. But call them whatever you want. I'm talking about people who, when they're asked for their religious affiliation, whether somebody asks them, hey, you know, what are you? Or they take a survey and on the form they check the box that says Catholic. Or they'll say things like, I was raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic school. There are far, far too many Catholics uh, today who their religious identity is much more a matter of, of culture than it is belief and practice. They're Catholic in name, but atheist in practice. Sure, they receive the sacraments of initiation, right? They've been baptized, they've been confirmed, they've received communion. They may have gone to confession once before they've t- received their Holy Communion. They've got married in the church, hopefully, although some are not even getting married in the, in the church. They attend a funeral mass when someone in their family or a friend passes away. Uh, they'll go to Christmas and Easter mass and then go to dinner right after with their family. Uh, when they drive by a church, they'll put the volume down of the song that they're listening to that's got a ton of explicit sexual language. Uh, and then they do the sign of the cross and then turn the volume back up. But here's the thing. Catholicism to them, it's just on special occasions and holidays. Their Catholicism is much more of like a, it's, it's more of an adjective than it is a verb. They're neither hot or cold. In the last episode, if you remember, I explained from Revelations 3.16 where Jesus says, So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Some translations actually even say, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Today we have so many Catholics. And when I say that, I mean both lay people and clergy. I'm not going to discount some of the clergy members uh, you know, throughout all the Catholic uh, church in the world. It comes from both sides. And we see that they water down, they tiptoe around some topics so that they don't offend the person they're talking to. They don't offend the audience or they don't truly challenge the faithful and their complacency. They don't want to sound mean because the other side has pretty much bullied them into thinking that sounding mean, quote unquote, means that they're not speaking with love and compassion. That's not true. Jesus took that approach sometimes. Jesus was kind of mean to the Pharisees and priests and some of the people who he would speak to, who would approach him. Um, At least he sounded like he was. When we read scripture, it could sound a bit mean when we hear Jesus say things like, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's not something we would expect Jesus to say, right? At least the the liberal version of Jesus, the lovey-dovey, all rainbows and butterflies version of Jesus. We wouldn't think that. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. In fact, it's because he loves us, he's being tough with us. And I'm not saying we should automatically be mean to everybody. Of course not. But sometimes preaching the gospel truth will sound a little bit off-putting, especially to those who don't understand or practice Catholicism seriously. 
Now, actually here, I'm going to read a list. I'm going to give you a few examples on scripture where Jesus was quote-unquote mean to people. Um, and if he were to say any of these today, he would probably be accused of all different names. So uh, first one is Luke chapter 11, verse 39. Uh, he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Okay, Mark 9, 24. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he would be thrown down into the sea. Uh, Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Sheesh. Uh, Matthew 23, 23. He says, you serpent, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Imagine saying that to someone today. Luke 12, 51. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Uh, one of my favorites, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on the day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty deeds in your name? Then I will declare to them solemnly, I never knew you. Depart from me, your evil doers. And John, actually, you know what? I'll stop here. I have a list of like 15 or more. But there are so many times where Jesus went was pretty harsh on people. Again, not because he didn't love them, but because he did love them. The reality is, because of our human nature, we tend to be put off by something that makes us uncomfortable especially uncomfortable truths. Our first defense is to deny reality and convince ourselves that what we're hearing must be wrong. And we truly try to justify what we believe is correct. Now, imagine if Jesus had today, in today's world, said any of the stuff that I just mentioned. Um, he would be accused of being, you know, hateful, judgmental, divisive, and you name it. Here's the thing. This is not our world. We did not create it. We don't have a say in what truth is. We can, however, try to understand what the truth is. And most of the time, we may not like it, maybe not right away because of our fallen nature. But when we don't like the truth, we still have to accept it, pray about it, and seek to understand it better so that we can fulfill God's will for us. And we will eventually come to accept the truth. The sad reality is, Many who don't like the truth try to create their own world and end up being lukewarm. So much so that they no longer, they're no longer practicing Catholics. But they just keep that title anyway because it gives them a sense of belonging. Catholicism becomes more sentimental to them than spiritual. So, what happens when Catholics stop practicing being Catholics? It actually has a lot of effect on society in general, not just to that person. And this is another mistake a lot of people make. It's that... Uh, spirituality and uh, and the faith is something personal. It's not. It's something communal as well. Because a lot of a lot of times, the things that we believe and the things that we practice have a large effect on the community. And I'm gonna give you some examples. Um, mass attendance. A Gallup poll shows that back in 1958, within the people that belonged to a certain parish, uh, they just picked a bunch of random parishes throughout the United States, and it showed that in 1958 there was a 78% weekly mass attendance. In 2015, that dropped to just 23%. Even in 
even worse, uh, in 2008, a study by the Center of Applied Research and Apostolate, it's a Catholic research center, they found that nearly 60% of Catholics who miss Mass don't believe that it's a mortal sin to do so. This is what happens when you just say, oh, you know, I miss it once, it's fine, it's okay, I'll just stay home and just do the thing between me and God, I don't have to go to church. This is what happens. 60% of Catholics don't believe that missing Mass is a sin. What about the Eucharist, the real presence? I'm sure some are familiar with this, but Pew Research did a study and saw that 43% of Catholics agree with this statement. Bread and wine are symbols of Jesus, but Jesus is not really present in them. 43% agree with that statement. Now, when you break down this number, you'll see those that practice the faith and attend Mass regularly, you see that number uh, is well over 80% that believe that the Lord is truly present in the Eucharist, right? So it's not still 100%, but it's 80% of those who practice the faith and attend Mass regularly. Now, the opposite is true. For those who don't go to Mass regularly, maybe go once or twice a month, only 65% believe that the Lord is present in the Eucharist. And for those who only manage to make it a handful of times throughout our lifetime, over 60% still believe that it's just a symbol. I'm sorry, not 60%. Over 80% still believe that it's a, uh, it's just a symbol. It's ridiculous. Now you get to see what happens when you don't practice your faith. You end up losing a lot of, uh, a lot of main, main aspects of the faith. So let's look at birth control and contraception. In 2012, Gallup surveyed Americans about the moral acceptability of using birth control. Uh, Catholics' respondents uh, were nearly identical with non-Catholics, and they believe in this issue. I was shocked to see that 80% believe that birth control was morally acceptable, only 15% accepting and following with the, church, the church teaching. 2,000 years of consistent teaching of the church, and yet only 82% of professing Catholics side with secular teaching of birth control. And these are practicing Catholics that believe that. Obviously, the ones who don't practice Catholicism, that's probably near 100% that, that, uh, that don't believe that. And this, uh, the issue of birth control kind of bleeds into abortion. There are many Catholics who believe that abortion can be justified for one reason or another. At the very least, they take the position of, I'm pro-life, but. Where they'll say like, I'm pro-life, but I will never get an abortion. I think it's bad, but I would never tell somebody else not to do it. That's just between them and God. This is the danger that this group poses on Catholicism, is that they're leading people away from the fullness of the truth. They draw in vulnerable people, people who may be struggling with a certain sin or who are just trying to understand the faith a little bit better, and they use their title as Catholics, lay people and clergy alike, they'll use that uh, title as Catholics and they just spew out a bunch of false teachings and at best blur the lines of what what the teaching should be, and it causes more confusion instead of just explaining what the church and scripture teach. A perfect example of that is uh, homosexuality. This issue is very hot. Many are afraid to speak out against the homosexuality and the LGBT movement in fear of being called all these names, hateful, divisive, homophobic, etc. But let's look at this. In 2014, Pew Research found that 70% of self-identified Catholics say that homosexuality should be accepted by society, compared to just 23% who discourage it. Now, if we break this down, those who practice the faith and attend Mass regularly, 58% should uh, say it should be accepted, where those who don't attend Mass regularly, 
77% say it should be accepted. The survey was pretty weird, since it doesn't differentiate between having same-sex attractions and being acceptable um, or just, you know, being engaged in sexual acts themselves. It doesn't really differentiate between the two. It just asks, should it be acceptable? Now, I'm not here to discuss the church's position on homosexuality. That's a topic that might be left for another time. But I will say this. Of course we should accept the person as a person, regardless of their struggles. And we should always reach out to them with compassion and with love. But in short, the church teaches that feelings someone has are not what cause the person to sin. Rather, acting upon those feelings is what causes them to sin. I'll just keep it at that. So many things that you know we do that kind of affect the world around us. And even people who are not on our side tend to see uh, tend to look at us from the outside and start judging us and they'll stir up a bunch of lies about the church and even cause more division uh, take example our favorite champion of women Hillary Clinton uh, she was on some kind of podcast recently talking about God knows what an article came up I was reading it I went back to listen to the clip just to uh, hear what she said and here's what she said a lot of people are leaving the church. A lot of young people are leaving the church in part because of the way they understand what Christianity has become is, you know, so judgmental, so alienating that they think to themselves, well, I don't need that. So people like her think that Christianity's changed. It's Christianity that's morphed into hateful, judgmental, and mean religion while the rest of the world is just getting better, right? It's quite the opposite. Christianity's been the same since, well, Christ. The understanding of our sinful nature has remained the same. Morality has remained the same. We have strayed away from them. We have strayed away from the truth. We have strayed away from the gospel. Partly because of our fallen human nature, but also partly because we as Christians, we as Catholics particularly, we sat back and allowed this to happen. And we did it because we were led to believe, we were deceived into thinking that we sound too mean and we just kind of need to tone it down so that we don't sound so mean and we can be accepting and loving so we can sound you know all squishy now you see what the effect of these so-called catholics have they've caused so much confusion that even some of the people who attend mass regularly and practice the faith or at least do their to the best of their ability uh tend to side with the secular ideology we need to be able to separate catholics from catholicism we need to be able to reach out to those who identify as Catholics, yet in practice they're not, and have this conversation with them. If we keep slacking, we will get bullied, more so than we are now. On top of that, people will start to believe these attacks on the church and start leaving, and we already see that now. We need to be vigilant, and I will warn you, and I take this from personal experience, you may sound mean, you may sound harsh, you will sound judgmental, they may accuse you of being hateful, they will accuse you of being hateful, and tell you that you're not Christ-like. They'll say, oh, that's not the Jesus way. They may even start quoting scripture, probably out of context. They'll start quoting the Pope out of context. They might even start quoting some priests who are just as squishy as they are, maybe even more so like James Martin, for example, and try to justify their thoughts and behaviors and the way they believe what Christianity is or should be. But we need to stay persistent and continue to have this conversation. We, of course, need to ask the Lord to give us the grace needed to continue to preach the gospel with love and charity. We need to especially continue to pray for those who've fallen away from the fullness of truth. And we can't just stop there. 
We also need to ask God to aid us in teaching this generation and the next and help them identify these false teachings of the world. We need to teach and encourage the youth to read scripture and be able to do some research on some of these Habban issues and just understand what the scripture and the church teaches and why they teach it. We need to make Catholics Catholic again. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for tuning in again, and especially thank you for your support and continued prayer. I ask that you just continue to keep praying for me, for my family, and pray for Christians and non-Christians around the world that hopefully God will guide them to the truth, because at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much again. I've been your host, Anas Kesto, a.k.a. The Salty Catholic, and I'll talk to you soon.